Thank you, Edith. This is weird, isn't it? This isn't right, hey, a sermon already? I know, it's, let's settle down, let's just relax, okay? Let's, let's start with some games, just to warm up. A uh, bit of fill-in-the-blank games. Um, I'm going to put a couple of lists up on the screen behind us. Let's just go through these together and see if we can fill in the blanks. Very, oh, straight away. 2GB. Knows his Big Mac and go, great, next one. This is good, we've got to get through this slide. Sorry? Can't get lettuce? It costs you extra now. Fantastic. All right, next one. This is brilliant. Oh, not so quick on these ones, are you? Hey? Do not worship idols, yet. Sabbath, good. Murder, yep. Still and covered. Very good. Very good. Uh, well done. Uh, I can see all your faces from up here. And um, judging how quick the Big Mac one got filled in and how much fear was on a few faces when the Ten Commandments came up. Uh, but don't worry, you did really well. And it's not just you. There are, there are plenty of surveys that show that, that faithful, Bible-going Christians today um, simply cannot recite the Ten Commandments. There was a time when uh, the Ten Commandments was memorised. Uh, many of you, I'm sure, grew up in churches where that was the case. So, um, so I wonder why we don't do that today. Uh, well, maybe it's because we don't like the popular image of a Christian. Right? A lot of people see Christians as Bible-bashing killjoys uh, who are quick to tell everyone what they can't do. And we don't want to be tarred by that brush, so uh, let's just put away that list of don'ts. Or maybe you know that we're saved by faith and not law-keeping. So to avoid the error of, of legalism, we keep God's law at arm's length. Now, we know it's, it's important, it's part of the Bible, but we put it in that same place where we keep the genealogies and the lists of the kings. Whatever the reason, we do tend to minimise God's law and maximise God's love. It's all about love. And love should be uh, spontaneous. As long as we're acting with love in our hearts, how can we go wrong? Isn't that a, a better way to live than following some dusty old laws? God just wants us to love him. And that's right and good, and we should love God. But then Jesus goes and says something like, If you love me, obey my commandments. According to Jesus, there's a strong link between loving God and knowing and living by his law. Now, that doesn't quite sit right with us, does it? To demand someone is obedient is coercive, not loving. If I said to Jen, if you really loved me, you'd do anything I asked, that should raise all kinds of red flags and a laugh from Jen because she's <laughs> not going to do it. But here's the error in, in our thinking, in this way of thinking. It's our relationship with God. It's not a relationship of equals. Okay? It's not a partnership where, where two people depend on each other and support each other. We're in a relationship with the great I am. The sovereign, self-existent, almighty creator God. Support, care, faithfulness, patience, it's all one-sided in this relationship. It all flows from God to us. 
God created this relationship and it's God that sustains this relationship. So the question we really need to ask ourselves is how can we, as the receiving partner in this, communicate our love in this kind of relationship? Well, I think really the only thing we're in a position to do is to thankfully receive the gifts that he gives. To love God is to first of all acknowledge that we do not deserve the grace and mercy that he's given us. It's to admit that the desires and instincts uh, of of our hearts are worldly and fallen and they draw us away from God. They do harm to the relationship God has drawn us into. So to love God in practice is to deny the laws of our hearts and to replace them with his laws. Friends, the right response to God is always love, but it's a love expressed in trust. We trust that his laws, his wisdom, and living according to his laws is the best thing for us, and that that will be pleasing to him. And that's what the Ten Commandments are. The Ten Commandments are laws for the heart that loves God. The first four commandments, they direct our heart Godwardly. They're summarized by the the great commandment given in Deuteronomy 6 and later quoted by Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the last six commandments direct our hearts to love your neighbour as yourself. Jesus himself reinforced the importance of the Ten Commandments. Far from minimising them, he gave them a greater exposition. He republished them, if you like. And so we're going to look at these, all Ten Commandments, over the next five weeks two per week. Let's start, though, with, uh, with commandment one. You've got it there in Exodus 20, from verse one. It says, And God spoke all these words, all the words that follow, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. This is not only the first commandment, It's the foundation for the other nine. The other commandments speak of the things the people of God should or shouldn't do, but the first commandment uh, establishes the kind of relationship that the Israelites find themselves in. At this point in Exodus, the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for about 400 years, and God has just rescued them from Egypt with great and wondrous acts. He led them out of their captivity by a, a pillar of fire by day and a pillar of smoke by night. Sorry, other way around. Pillar of smoke by day, fire by night. He separated them from their oppressors as he led them through the Red Sea. And now they've arrived at Mount Sinai as a free people. Moses has gone up the mountain and he receives these Ten Commandments, the constitution for God's new nation, Israel. And it starts by reminding the Israelites of who he is and what he has done. I am the Lord your God, the great I am. And I have just rescued you out of the land of Egypt, out of your bondage and slavery. Therefore, you shall. Note how the law comes after the saving power of God. God didn't go to Egypt and say to the Hebrew slaves, slaves, listen guys, I've got these ten commandments. How about I come back in in, in a year's time? If you've cleaned up your act... I'll rescue you out of Egypt. You can be my people. That's how most people view God. 
God has rules. And if I follow the rules, God will love me and save me. But that's not Christianity. And it's not what happened to Israel. They were enslaved in Egypt. And what God actually said was, I hear the cry of my people. I will rescue you and bring you to a land where you may live as my people and I will be your God. Likewise, Jesus does not say to his disciples, if you keep my commandments, I will love you. Instead, he's come down from heaven, born as a man. He's gotten down on his knees. He's washed the stinking feet of his disciples. And in a few few days' time, he's going to go to the cross and take their sins on himself and die for them. And it's in that context that he says, if you love me, given everything I'm done and everything I'm about to do, if you love me, keep my commandments. The Ten Commandments are not instructions on how to get out of Egypt. They're instructions for a people who find themselves rescued by God on how to live as God's people. Now that the relationship is clear, God tells his people how he can live, how they can live, sorry, in a way that would please him. And the first commandment asks for hearts that trust him exclusively. You shall have no other gods before me. Some have made the mistake of thinking that this means uh, it's okay to have other gods as long as God, Yahweh, the Lord, is first. But that's not what this is saying at all. Our God is a jealous God. And there's no shortage of scripture that we can point to that make it very clear he wants a single-hearted devotion from his people. Like a faithful husband, God is not satisfied with a partial and distracted love from his wife. He has no interest in being just one important person amongst many. You could paraphrase the whole first commandment by saying, salvation comes through no other God. Therefore, no other God should hold any claim on our hearts. Now, many of us don't mind having a heart for God, but we all share our hearts with other things. We all live a God and life. God and money. God and reputation. You fill in the blank. My heart loves God and... What is it for you? What competes for the devotion of your heart? Now, I'm not talking about things that you, that you like or enjoy. You're allowed to like things other than God. God is a jealous God. He's not an insecure God. I'm talking about that thing that you can't give up, that you'd be devastated to lose. Friends, what would make you curse God if he were to take it away from you? Could it be God and kids, family, God and comfort, or a big one for a lot of people, including myself, God and financial security. You shall have no other gods besides me. There's a helpful illustration of this in the rich man of Luke 18. Will you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 18? Let's have a look at that. Luke 18, verse 18. 
Uh, and a ruler, the, the young man, asks Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honour your father and mother. And he said, All these I have kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come, follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. So here we have a man, devoted to money, but for all appearances also genuinely desiring to please God, even if only to win salvation. Note that the man seems to recognise the divine authority of Jesus, uh, which Jesus confirms, and he does not rebuke the man for his question. But Jesus very cleverly reveals this man's problem. You see, the man has been obeying some of the some of the commandments just fine, all the ones that are easy to obey externally. But what the man lacked was a heart exclusively devoted to God. He had failed to obey the first commandment. This is revealed when Jesus challenged the man to renounce his wealth and to follow him. Jesus demanded a fundamental shift in this man's heart. Think about it. He would own nothing. He would be dependent on the generosity of others for each day's food and each night's shelter. His heart would need to be torn away from the stability and comfort of his financial security and public status and set towards Jesus in total dependence and trust. This change of heart is what we would call new birth, repentance and faith. And unfortunately, this didn't happen. He walked away sad. Sad because he knew that his heart belonged to a cold and indifferent God of money rather than the loving and faithful God of grace that he sought. Friends, the world would be a much better place if everyone obeyed God's law. There is no doubt about that. But obedience to the law does not create the kind of heart that the first commandment requires. Only those who have experienced God's salvation, God's salvation in Jesus, can possess a heart that is gratefully and exclusively devoted to the saving God. Only when you know God is a mighty and faithful and trustworthy God can you even begin to forsake the empty gods of this world and devote your heart exclusively to him. I'm pleased to see some new faces here this morning. I see plenty of old faces as well. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, then seriously, let's talk. Let's pray together. God does not withhold this gift from those who ask for it. Pray to God and ask for a heart that beats to his saving grace. I'd be more than happy to help you do that if you don't know how. For those of you who do know God's salvation, that have a heart that longs to please God, then these Ten Commandments, they were written for you. So pay special attention uh, as we go through this series because God is telling you how to live as his people, how to love him, how to honour him, and how to please him in your day-to-day life.
Will you join me in praying? Loving Father, you have drawn us into a relationship with you through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is through him that we know your saving power and we have become your people. Help us to heed these Ten Commandments and seek to obey them for our good and for your pleasure. Help us particularly in this matter uh, of the heart. Purge our hearts, we pray, of those things that we hold more highly than you. Give us hearts exclusively devoted to you so that we might live out this first commandment as you deserve. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, as uh, Ella mentioned, Steve's going to talk to the second commandment a little bit later on in our, in our service this morning. Talk about law-breaking. Uh, but now we're going to sing together uh, and then we're going to pray together. So